Welcome to the Stepful Radio. I am Mahima Reji, your host for the day. 14th of April marked the 130th birth anniversary of Dr. B. R. Ambedkar, and thus we are here to discuss his endless contributions and social ideas and influences on contemporary India, along with Professor Sathak Bakshi. Professor Sathak Bakshi's research interest lies in the topics of patronage politics, populism, state-society relations, electoral party, informal, and comparative politics. His interest also extends to the topics of youth and politics, regional political economy, and rural local governances through a mix of quantitative and qualitative study of Panchayati Raj institutions in Indian society, Indian states. I heartily welcome you. Thank you for joining us today, sir. Thank you so much, Mahima. Uh, it's my pleasure to join you here at the Stepville Radio. Yes, sir. Let's start with our discussion. As we celebrate the 130th birth anniversary of Dr. Bhimra Ambedkar today, how would you describe Ambedkar's ideas and thoughts about India's democracy and what did he mean by social democracy? Uh, thank you so much again. And uh, uh, it's, it's really nice that you're doing this, uh, uh, you know, this kind of a interview or this kind of a discussion around Ambedkar's thoughts, because I think, uh, is uh, one of um, you know the uh, modern indian thinkers who is very relevant and very very relatable uh, in in today's contemporary times uh, and ambedkar uh, as we celebrate his 130th birth anniversary uh, his thoughts about indian democracy have been uh, you know captured in many volumes and many different uh, uh, essays uh, I, but what i would like to draw back to uh, this speech, uh, one of his most most famous speech uh, speeches that he gave in uh, at the end of the uh, you know uh, constituent assembly, uh, the final final day of the constituent assembly before uh, the constitution was uh, uh, promulgated, uh, and in that speech he says uh, that on the twenty sixth and I quote uh, on the twenty sixth of January nineteen fifty we are going to enter into a life of contradictions. In politics, we will have equality, and in social and economic life, we will have inequality. In politics, we will be recognizing the principle of one man, one vote, and one vote, one value. In our social and economic life, we shall, by reason of our social and economic structure, continue to deny the principle of one man, one value. How long shall we continue to live this life of contradictions? How long shall we continue to deny equality in our social and economic life. If we continue to deny it for long, we will do so only by putting our political democracy in peril. We must remove, he said, this contradiction at the earliest possible moment, or else those who suffer from inequality will blow up the structure of political democracy, which is assembly, which is uh, which this assembly has to uh, laboriously built up. So what we can see clearly from this speech that he is actually talking about a procedural or a political kind of a democracy, which talks about, you know, the idea of vote. But he's saying that while Indian democracy is is uh, is based on an idea or will has been practicing an idea uh, of, you know, one vote, one person, uh, it is not actually uh, so equal in terms of a substantive uh, manner. And in a substantive manner, what he means to say is basically the idea of equality or the idea of value, right? 
And to your second question, which you asked about social democracy, uh, social democracy for him lies at the core of what he talks about uh, when he when he envisages a more egalitarian society. Uh, Ambed according to Ambedkar, social democracy means a way of life which recognizes liberty, equality, and fraternity, you know, as the principles of life. And these are the three principles uh, Ambedkar draws from uh, the French Revolution, the liberty, equality, and fraternity. And on the basis of these principles of liberty, equality, and fraternity, uh, people are not to be treated as separate, you know, these are not to be uh, treated as separate items, but in a, in a trinity, right? So what he is basically saying is that without, uh, you know, liberty, equality, and fraternity will not be possible. Similarly, without fraternity, you will not be able to practice equality and neither will you actually be able to achieve liberty. So they form a union of Trinity in the sense that to divorce one from the other is to defeat the very purpose of democracy. So in a sense, we, what we understand from Ambedkar's point that he's, he looks at democracy not in isolated concepts of, you know, uh, civil liberties or uh, you know, uh, opposition rights or elections, etc. But he looks at them in in a very uh, holistic purpose or in a holistic manner, uh, in which he uh, sees that a, a that a successful democracy or a or a fulfilling democracy, fulfillment of the idea of democracy can only happen when there is this blending of these three values of liberty, equality, and fraternity. Moving on to the next question, as we all know that he, Dr. Bhimra Ambedkar, also contributed to the annihilation of caste system. So, was the caste system central to maintaining social conduct through the division of labor? And why have so many people tolerated the social evils even while Dr. B.R. Ambedkar was fighting for equal rights? Okay, this is uh, this is a very interesting question, uh, and I think. Uh, you know, Ambedkar actually captured the idea because I think it's a very fair question, right? That why is uh, why did caste system uh, continue for so long, right? Uh, what is the caste system? Firstly, the caste system is usually understood as the the idea is based on the hierarchical, you know, rank ordering of uh, uh, of certain communities uh, or certain groups of people, right? In in on based on the idea of the classical Varna system, which is the occupation-based occupation segregation of people or communities uh, in which uh, the Brahmins, uh, you know, had a, a position of power in, at the top of the system, uh, after whom came the Kshatriyas, who were the warriors. Um, after that came the, the traders or the businessmen or the Vaishya communities. And below that came the Shudras, who were the cultivators, the artisans, or the people who were doing these uh, errand jobs, and outside of all these four categories, at the at the last end, or actually outside of this fourfold system, came the atishudras or the untouchables, uh, who during the British time or during Ambedkar's time, they were called the backward classes. Uh, these were uh, the, this is the same category of people, uh, whom uh, Gandhi. Dr. Gandhi called Harijans and Ambedkar gave the name Dalits for them, right? Now, 
people would say that you know if the caste system is so uh, uh, so traditional or so uh, it is so unjust then why did it continue or why did people not uh, people not uh, rebel against it right uh, or because we also know that caste system is drawing from uh, the ideas of uh, or the codes of law uh, or societal law written by manu or that is the idea that is uh, that is the idea that has been uh, propelled and and that has been continuing it's a it's an ancient practice or it's a con continuing practice for uh, several centuries then why has it been continuing right and ambedkar actually captures that that uh, question in a very very nice statement when he calls that uh, you know uh, that the caste system is built as an ascending scale of reverence and a descending scale of contempt right and what he means is basically that the caste system has been generated by the exclusionary social and kinship rules of the brahmins and it spreads because the other groups who are you know coming below in the in this rank ordering especially those who are in the in the lowest uh, you know of the of this order rank order they aped the brahmins uh, precepts so they did so believing that the spiritual the social or the economic benefits might come to them because there was uh, of course there was discrimination and there was force also sometimes uh, used to to perpetuate this discrimination but uh, this had a very you know very very limited sense of a physical coercion it was mostly you know that caste hierarchy was able to its uh, exert itself with minimal physical uh, coercion and this was actually because the voluntary submission came because uh, groups which were subordinate to each other started you know aping each other so if if the brahmins are west, were, you know uh, showing power or hierarchy over the kshatriyas the kshatriyas did the same over the people who were below that is the vaishyas similarly it was going in in the same order right and it also involved this idea within the within these communities that because it is something to do in a in a in a sense of a spiritual or a, in a sense of a social order it is something which probably is the 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 natural thing to do and and that is where you know ambedkar really captures this that this is talking about uh, a, a sense of reverence but also in a descending sense of scale of contempt and that actually kind of you know explains a lot about why you know why were you know so many people uh, tolerated these social levels or tolerated because again if we look at some of the uh, main differences between gandhi and ambedkar also it it emerges from that you know the way in which gandhi also looked at uh, at the caste system uh, he looked at caste system as uh, uh, or the varna system as something which is uh, essential for maintaining the social order and that is what i also want to convey when i say this you know that people took it as something which is uh, which is natural because it is essential for maintaining social order or that is the way things are right uh, so that was that was something which ambedkar broke and he broke it very publicly of course he broke it also because of the uh, of his exposure to education uh, to modern education perhaps to english education his exposure to uh, you know to uh, to laws and constitution and to cultures of the other countries right his global exposure that he got 
as a phd student abroad many things which led him to uh, to question this idea of the you know the status quoishness of the caste structure or or, or the caste system um, so i think uh, that perhaps uh, you know explains or answers uh, your question yes sir so are the people of the scheduled caste or the backward classes as they were known before independence only shunned or discriminated against other caste like do other caste have barriers between them actually uh, it is not only the you know it is not only the uh, dalits of the scheduled caste who were discriminated against uh, again by this there can be you know there can be uh, a prejudice of looking at it also because then they say that everybody gets discriminated against uh, i'm not saying it in this in that lens or in that kind of a vein but the point is that like i explained that you know the the hierarchy worked in a way that every each each community or each group above the other would be able to or actually was able to uh, you know discriminate against the one or or subjugate the one which is lower than them in that order so you have the vaishyas or or the shudras who have been discriminated uh, against for for a long time right uh, and and now you have the shudras after independence and in fact after long after independence uh, in 1989 you have the mandal commission which came up and which talked about uh, 52% of the population uh, becoming part of this other backward classes and what are these obcs these are the obcs are nothing but the shudras so there is 52% of the population in india which is classified as the shudra and they were the ones who were the cultivator caste they were the ones who were the artisan caste and they were the ones also you know employed in different uh, aspects of service to the village community uh, from a traditional point of view and these were also discriminated against right uh, what happens with this typical type of discrimination will be access to education uh, um, no uh, i mean intermarrying right uh, will be prohibited access to education will be prohibited of course the degrees of discrimination will be differing uh, that you know while uh, uh, in the traditional practices uh, you know an untouchable is seen as somebody who, whose shadow also will not be should not be crossed or who should not be you know uh, touched right so there was this idea of the purity and impurity but the idea of the ritual of purity and impurity is also been associated with uh, different castes so uh, even if you are even if a brahmin is dealing with a shudra there were certain ideas of purity and impurity right and again we also see that <coughs> with empowerment also this idea comes this idea of sanskritization which talks about uh, how you know the the communities uh, which are actually uh, which were mar mar once marginalized communities which are now coming up uh, in power and gaining ascendance ascendancy in terms of economic and social standing they also try to imitate ritualistic purity or rituals of purity uh from the brahmins or the kshatriyas they also call themselves uh, dwijas or twice born right and what they are doing is then they are actually creating a division or a, or a further classification based on this purity and impurity within their own community so if there is a large caste of let's say 
uh, if there is a large community of the shudras within shudras there will be certain castes or sub castes or jatis actually uh, which will be claiming themselves as to be uh, purer or or ritualistically more superior uh, than other uh, other jatis within that caste structure so definitely there is you know discrimination uh, within these different caste by uh, within these different uh, caste categories also and it is not just uh, the exclusion or the discrimination of the scheduled caste of which which is very serious which is also happening but there are different ways of uh, you know creating barriers between other castes also so sir in continuation with the question that i asked earlier casteism is still ingrained in our society and it is up to this extent that the backward classes the lower and the uh, and the scheduled caste still face exclusion because of patriarchy and caste based discrimination so why does caste determine the employability or profession in today's india it is uh, it is actually a system probably which which is uh, you know uh, something that even despite all the progressive uh, thought and despite of the, all the modernity that has come in uh, that is something that you know the the uh, common psyche of the people has not been able to shun uh, as i mentioned previously that uh, you know uh, the varna system is was basically a occupational uh, rank ordering or occupational division right it was also seen as a division of labor in the society right typically in a village society and you would need it's a very functional system it is a very functional system and you would require this kind of uh, system to be uh, to make a very well structured society and to a certain extent that 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 idea still continues unabated or unchallenged even though there has been the idea of reservation there has been the idea of uh, you know political empowerment affirmative action the way in which there is political interference there is the kind of you know political uh, uh, posturing of these reservations and the political posturing of uh, demand for more demand for resources etc uh, it is also you know entrenched this idea of differentiation so caste is no more uh, you know a idea of uh, Uh, i mean it is to a certain extent it is still a hierarchical difference and you know hierarchical division but it is also about differentiation and while the hierarchy is in a vertical realm the differentiation is more in a horizontal thing which is why you have these differences between jatis right so if a yadav is coming then the yadav will be supposed to be a jati which is uh, attached to the occupation of cattle rearing cattle herding or milkman or you know those kind of farm activities right uh, similarly if there is a, a, a peasant caste or if there is a caste of fishermen that caste will be particularly seen only to do uh, occupation or you know to do jobs related to the river or boatman or 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 knitting the you know knitting the fishing nets etc so i think the hierarchy has been combined with a set of differentiation now which which still talks about this idea of uh, you know the segregation but it also talks about these occupational division and which is why the idea that you know 
particular identities, caste identities, or jati identities, particularly, are uh, attached to uh, uh, certain kind of occupations that is still very much entrenched in Indian society, and because of that, you know, you you really have challenges of uh, creating uh, a society which is more equal and creating a society which is more uh, you know fraternal in nature because what this differentiation then uh, creates is it it, it does create uh, you know it, it does prevent a very uh, artificial barrier uh, in terms of uh, accepting or exercising the idea or the principle of fraternity okay sir that answers my question and uh, moving to the further questions that is now that we look back at the times how has dr ambedkar being a part of the drafting committee of the constitution played a role in the caste system i think uh, i think i mean you know one of the one of the main roles uh, ambedkar played and in fact there is a very interesting you know uh, interesting struggle that uh, you know that ambedkar was actually uh, not becoming a part of uh, the constituent assembly because um, before partition he was actually representing because the, uh, for the election to the constituent assembly he was actually uh, representing a seat in east bengal which had after partition which uh, which was became east pakistan right so if after partition of india after india became independent uh, he would not have been able to represent that constituency anymore so he would not have been a part of the drafting committee but uh, it was actually uh, nehru and patel who saw to it that ambedkar uh, is also uh, you know able to be a part of uh, the drafting committee uh, because he brought with him certain qualities and certain uh, skills uh, which were very highly prized at that point in time and at that context his ability to you know to to draft laws and to draft policies and his ability to uh, look at you know this uh, uh, heavy you know heavy heavy literature of uh, abundance of literature of different con constitutions because we also understand that the indian constitution uh, has uh, been prepared after a very thorough scrutiny of uh, you know several constitutions we have taken different um, you know characteristics from different i talked about the idea of uh, liberty equality fraternity from the french there has been the idea of uh, separation of power from the american not exactly in in the way in which the american uh, constitution does but we have taken the idea of you know federalism also whereas we also look at a, a kind of you know we have taken inspiration from the irish constitution so ambedkar's contribution to the, this entire exercise has been immense but uh, i i would say that one of the one of the you know very very key features uh, in which ambedkar's uh, contribution to the to the uh, to the to india's constitution lies in in the idea that you know uh, indian constitution actually uh, has very you know has as articles which grant fundamental rights to the citizens uh, defined primarily as members of communities rather than individuals while you have these other constitutions which talk about uh, individual rights and which you know the modern uh, western liberal democracy which talks about individual rights but in indian constitution actually the emphasis is always on the community uh, rights and the community uh, uh, rights or 
you know, uh, on the basis of communities, not as individuals. Uh, the range of community rights, you know, remains in the scope uh, unique to India, uh, and rights against discrimination, uh, and you know, giving the state positive powers to eliminate discrimination, a right to equality of opportunity in public employment. All these things, I think, are very specific, uh, you know, points in which or you know, specific manners in which uh, Ambedkar uh, contributed, uh, uh, has his distinct contribution to uh, the Indian constitution and to the principles uh, on the basis of which uh, India's constitution uh, has been created, has been drafted. Uh, so let's move on to the concluding question that is, In that era, two types of struggles were going on. The armed struggle by several revolutionaries like Bhagat Singh, Chandrasekhar Azad, Subhash Chandra Bosch, and many. And the other one was non-violent, that is Ahinsa struggle by taking the way of Satyagraha. So where can we exactly place Dr. Ambedkar in this broad pantheon of India's freedom fighters? I think, uh, right, I mean, I think... Um... You know, I mean, it, this what you what you have mentioned is a very neat, uh, or probably, you know, uh, a little bit, uh, a, a kind of a too clean, uh, a kind of a you know categorization of uh, uh, the the freedom fighters, right? Which we see that Bhagat Singh, Chandrasekhar Azad, Subhash Chandra Bose were talking about a kind of a. Uh, more armed struggle, and there was, of course, the Gandhian idea of Satyagraha and the Ahinsa. Uh, but what actually, you know, uh, recently we would also find that if we uh, look at uh, Bhagat Singh, right, what Bhagat Singh was trying to do, uh, even though we can say that he was associated with armed struggle, but what Bhagat Singh was also trying to envisage was not only, see, the means, you know, what you're talking about uh, when we look at, when we look at whether armed struggle or non-violent resistance. These are just means uh, to an end. And the end that basically is the idea that uh, uh, India will be free and India will be free from any kind of a foreign rule. And that will be the end, right? And and these are different means which are adopted, right? But what Bhagat Singh, if you, if you look at Bhagat Singh's thoughts, and if you look at Bhagat Singh, Bhagat Singh's ideas, we would find that he also has a vision for what kind of a society will India be after it becomes free. Gandhi similarly also had this idea, right? He, he describes it, he, he articulates it very well in Hind Swaraj and in several other essays also later on in his life that what kind of an idea uh, of India does he have? What kind of a you know, nation does he want India to become once it is free from foreign rule? Similarly, we should also look at Ambedkar in more in, in that lens of what were his ideas of a free India. What are his ideas of a free, uh, you know, of a, of a democratic, uh, you know, India or a democratic socialist secular republic of India, right? So I think in that sense, it becomes very important to understand uh, Ambedkar, right? Ambedkar wasn't just, um, you know, a, a leader of the Dalits. In fact, uh, you know, his reach was very limited. Only after the British actually invited him to the uh, first and the second round tables in the 1930s, did his voice become... Uh, heard like you know over uh, you know across the nation before that he was he was speaking he had his these positions he was speaking and he was definitely writing a lot about these things 
but he, it was limited you know it was limited to his audience in 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 uh, baroda or his audience in uh, maharashtra uh, right in bombay where he taught but pan india voice coverage was not there so he was not a pan india you know leader he was not a leader of the dalits per se but what he brought to the table or what he what he you know did with his actions was also to uh, popularize an idea of india uh, and popularize an idea of india especially from the perspective of the marginalized communities or what he called uh, the dalit this idea that you know he he brought in this concept and he popularized this concept of uh, dalit as the broken right uh, broken men and this was again talking uh, as uh, a kind of an opposition to gandhi's idea of harijan right he brought in the idea that caste uh, has you know the caste based uh, discrimination uh, is not a part of you know religion it is it is it has to be fought politically it is a battle for political uh, it is a battle which is up for political challenge and that is what ambedkar gave that idea he he you know with this idea of community rights and with this idea of reservations or the idea of a, a you know strong state which is strong enough not to be captured by a powerful caste groups in in the future he gave this idea that you know that uh, dalits and you know the marginalized communities can raise and can put up political challenge uh, to to counter Uh, discrimination and to counter any kind of injustice so this is something which is you know uh, something which is immensely as a, as a contribution uh, to the formation of modern india that uh, you know uh, ambedkar gave similarly his contribution of the you know idea that uh, fraternity liberty and equality and i think that that in itself you know it's uh, he talked about these things uh, as something which is very needed and very much you know uh, required for creating uh, a vision of a modern india right uh, and th- without that in fact he also said that you know in fact he said that you know without these kind of uh, you know ideas or without these kind of social reforms which were needed uh, you know it would only be you know talking about uh, you know building a palace on dung heaps so he was this kind of a person who who brought in this kind of a uh confrontation or this kind of a very uh, uh you know very very con- confrontational idea but the, these ideas mattered because these ideas were uh you know of social reform of of equality of justice of political struggle of education and empowerment of the of the dalits uh and and keeping them away from this you know coating of religion or coating of dharma and coating of uh, you know duty or or, or coating of morality right uh so it was also seen that you know the, to follow one's caste will be the idea of morality so so he created these you know disruptions which were to move away from this kind of age old ideas and which is what i think has contributed immensely to the to the creation of the modern uh, india or or the modern society that we now find in india to to a largest not not entirely successfully in my mind but to a, to a large to a large extent yeah so as we commemorate and remember and reaffirm the purpose of us having a discussion in order to reassure and reform the 
the contributions of Dr. V. R. Ambedkar. I would like to ask one last question: that why is it important to understand Dr. Ambedkar's ideas about the oppressed today, not just in India but also globally, and how is it relevant in today's time? I think um, that's a that's a very good question actually because. Uh, it is i mean he talked about oppression or he talked about discrimination in the form of caste but uh, he did see uh, the kind of discrimination against uh, on the basis of race as well and uh, now we live in a, in a time especially during the pandemic when we have seen that uh, inequalities have risen manifold uh, across the world uh, and we are also seeing that because of the movement of people and people uh, you know the uh, boundaries Uh, artificial or geographical boundaries are blurred, which uh, enables people to move more freely. Right? We are seeing that you know, along with people, along with ideas of progress and ideas of modernity, ideas of discrimination and ideas of these kind of uh, age-old discriminatory practices are also traveling with people. We that is why we find that even in uh, American software companies, we find issues of caste coming out. Uh, in 2020, there was a fantastic book which came out. on on the caste system in 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 united states um you know we we have scholars who have been writing about caste discrimination in in diaspora in indian diaspora and these are instances which has come out right in cisco and other firms so it is very important that we should understand i mean the these kind of uh, you know these kind of uh, discriminatory practices whether it is based on caste or race should be condemned again when we say that when when there were black lives matters uh, and and we found that you know many people were co- condemning those attacks uh, or those uh, you know those uh, that kind of uh, police action on george floyd and many people from india also right were were uh, condemning and writing in support of the black lives matter uh, trending the hashtags but at the same time the question arises that at the same time we also have uh, you know a, a dalit uh, uh, guy in gujarat when he goes to wedding to his own wedding on riding on a ghodi uh, he gets killed for that for for riding a riding a ghodi or riding a horse on his wedding procession and then the dalit professor actually has to uh, go for his wedding procession uh, with with the police protection of over 100 policemen so these are all existing things which are happening like you know the una uh, una uh, uh, kind of, uh, incident that happened you know stripping dalits in in the broad daylight and and uh, lynching them right so these kind of things have been happening in india and these kind of things have also been happening across the world like we saw in in, in many cases uh, in united states and i think uh, this uh, you know reading ambedkar understanding you know what what does he mean by annihilation of caste or what does he mean by you know this idea of uh, uh, you know a downward scale of uh, uh, contempt uh, you know so th- we have to we have to understand these things and probably look at you know how these ca- these things can be uh, politically challenged and these things can be uh, you know tackled by way of educating by way of sensitizing people but also by way of you know promoting these virtues of uh, fraternity uh, and promoting these virtues of uh, liberty and equality now like today everybody talks about freedom of expression and freedom of you know uh, freedom of from fear but um, for for a dalit or for a you know for for a dalit young woman or for a dalit young man uh, 
you know what kind of a freedom of expression are we talking about if there is no freedom uh, from discrimination or what kind of a freedom actually are we talking about or equality are we talking about if there is no dignity to it so i think these are important questions for all of us to think uh, in in as we you know in in this day and age uh, and the pandemic has given us even more reasons because you know the inequalities have uh, come up uh, been exposed manifold and we the society in a in a way has been shown a mirror to its face uh, and i think um, ambedkar becomes uh, even more relevant in today's age um, you know than he ever was uh, so i think um, it's it's a good time for us to you know really sit pause and understand really what what the uh, ambedkar talked about and what were his ideas definitely so here i would like to end our conversation by restating and reminding everyone to our listeners and to ourselves that ambedkar has become more relevant than he was during his times and there lies his greatness and the greatness of his ideas and he became an all india leader and thus is a force more powerful that motivates and empowers us to make the society a better place to live for everyone thank you so much sir we had a great time talking to you thank you thank you the pleasure was mine thanks a lot